Well, Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to Practice Makes Faithful. Today, we're airing Season 2, Episode 18. My name is Ben Patterson. I'm joined by Paul Hugobart. Yeah, we have uh, quite the the Christmas set here. We've got we do. A <laughs> If you're listening to this, I really apologize because you're missing out on really the, are, yeah, the beauty yeah. of the moment right now as uh, it is obviously even more the Christmas season yeah. than it was last week. We've got these three little trees with uh, snow-tipped <laughs> branches yeah, yeah. and ev- ev- everything sitting here. Christmas set. If that, we, if, yeah. if that does not intrigue yeah, you enough yeah. to go to YouTube yeah. and check out the video version of this, I don't know what will. But <laughs> that's right, and then you can see how much our, our unfortunately our shirts probably don't match the red and yeah, green of Christmas. Yeah, right no, now. we didn't we didn't dress the part. We didn't coordinate, no, no. But uh, <laughs> anyway, Merry Christmas! <laughs> it's a great start. Yeah. Yes, Merry yeah. Christmas. Christmas season going good for you. We're getting we're getting close now. Shopping is that moving along? Shopping is moving along. Done. Yeah, I mean it's um, down to now those uh, those really fun gifts where um, I always love the well love. Um, I use that love in a kind of a sarcastic way. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that time where I have to help the kids find gifts for mom. Ah, uh, yes. You know, and it's, uh, yes. yeah. It, of course, I'm not the best, you know, gift giving is not my <laughs> love language in that I uh-huh. excel at it in any way, shape, or form anyway. So, uh, so this is not so great. So we have, you know, pretty much three or four options every year. And, mm-hmm. you know, tell one kid, hey, you get to pick the puzzle and you get to pick the this and you get to pick the that. And every oh, year there's we know a, there's going to be a puzzle. Yeah, there's a puzzle <laughs> every year. There is a puzzle. My wife loves puzzles more than uh, than anyone I've ever met. That's so amazing. It is. Yeah, she's a puzzler. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm around. Yeah. I'm around behind, you? man. I haven't You're done. I haven't done anything yet. Mm. But I'm gonna figure it out. It's yeah. gonna be great. Do you have it a lot I, I on your enjoy, plate with school to finish yeah, in yeah. the last few weeks? And so I have a good time going out with the crazies in the last minute. Like I love that. It's a. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Get a get a nice peppermint mocha from Starbucks. You go into okay. Target with all the crazy people. Last day, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a fun time. I enjoy yeah. that. So your cup with the Christmas yeah. wrap on it. Exactly. Your, yeah. Well, so, I, I it's all a part of the on season. Amazon because I am so un-Christmas crazy. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I don't do it. So <laughs> I, yeah, I just keep watching the boxes roll in. You know, every yes. time I come home, there's some boxes I have to bring in on the front porch, which. To me, is is kind of fun. I actually I enjoy that piece. I mean, I always like it when an Amazon delivery is sitting on our porch. That is a fun. You know, half the time I've ordered something and I've forgotten that I ordered what I ordered, and there it is. So mm. it's a surprise yep, to me. Yep. So it's Merry Christmas every time, <laughs> and even yeah. more so now. Uh, so I understand anyway, that. man, I understand we are digressing. That. We are. We so. are. So let's bring it in. We'll bring yeah. it in today <laughs> for our series, Christ Story. Um, we're going to dive into part two today. Yep. So. Two. Paul, you want to set us up. What is this series about? Yeah, just a a quick reminder. Um, So we are looking at uh, the story of the birth of Jesus as recorded in Luke's gospel. And again, Luke is really trying to give us a historian's angle or a detective's angle. I mean, he's saying, I went and investigated these things so that you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt. And that's for the, obviously for the, the course of his entire gospel. But he's sharing that especially also right there at the beginning. He's saying, I want you to know that everything I'm telling you is anchored and rooted in history. This isn't just a neat story, it's his story, right? It's history. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Luke goes to 
the extreme measure to give us the person, the place, the time, so the when, the where, the why. I mean, all these things that he's investigated, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's telling us, you know, this happened in this month, at this time, when this was going on, right here. The, you know, so Luke is just trying to give us all these details so that we could go back and reference this, and especially for his early audience or his first audience, uh, that would have been easy to do. They would have known the historical figures he was referencing and the places, and he would have known the, these locations and all that stuff. And we know some of that. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, a good bit of the history kind of has been lost to us to mm -hmm, some degree mm -hmm. as, you know, maybe the Bible kept better records even than some other things that we, uh, we have current access to. And so uh, that is kind of a neat thing about Luke's gospel is that at times people have kind of tried to poke at Luke's gospel because of, you know, him trying to anchor some things in history and then there's skepticism about whether or not what Luke reports could actually have been. And then we find out, you know, as time goes by that, yes, this was the way things happen. And here's this mm -hmm. historical character and figure that, you know, actually was there and was reigning at that time or whatever it happens to be. And so, uh, so Luke is trying to do this both as kind of an investigator and a historian reporting all of this story. Um, but then especially as he begins with the birth story, uh, last week we looked at the birth kind of birth story of John mm -hmm, the Baptist, mm -hmm. but John the Baptist was there to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. And of course this week we take a little bit step forward and we see kind of that, uh, that John is, yeah. or that Luke is still being very historical in the way he uh, narrates this, uh, this story of this angel coming and visiting Mary making this declaration of good news. And so that's, uh, that's kind of what we're doing in this series. Again, just looking at Luke's gospel very specifically, but, but then making sure that we understand what Luke is trying to accomplish as he shares uh, his investigation with us mm -hmm. or the results mm -hmm. of his investigation with us. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, we started off last week, preparation was kind of your key word, right? And this week we're yeah, moving right. into declaration. You want to tell us about that? What is that about? What is this declaration? Yeah, so I'll just kind of reveal all three movements real quick here. So last week, like you said, preparation. And so, you know, the question last week is, you know, what are we doing to prepare ourselves? Mm -hmm. And then maybe even we could take that a step further and say, what are, what are we doing to be uh, part of the crowd that prepares the way for Jesus, uh, period, everywhere we go, you know? And so declaration um, is now the second movement. Next week, we'll be, we'll be looking at celebration. And so, you know, it's just to kind of try to make this, uh, a memorable series as we think about the mm -hmm. preparation, mm -hmm. John the Baptist declaration, what the angel is doing, declaring uh, this good news to Mary mm -hmm. about the coming of Jesus. And so, of course, we move just a little bit further in the story and, uh, and we get to see the angel Gabriel showing up to this young girl, Mary, and he begins with this greeting. It says, greetings, you who are highly favored. And she's like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, what kind of a greeting is this? Uh, you know, and I kind of wonder, you know, I, I'm sure this wasn't Mary, what Mary was thinking, but you know, my kids walk in the room and they're like, hey dad, most awesome, wonderful dad. And I'm like, all right, what do you want? <laughs> I'm troubled by that kind of greeting too. And maybe that wasn't what was going on with Mary. Um, but, but she was wondering what's next. <laughs> I mean, that's what Luke says. She was troubled and she's wondering what this greeting meant. Like, what, did, what does this greeting mean? To be greeted like this, what's coming? What's coming next? And so um, then Luke records Gabriel giving the prophecy uh, about Mary as, as she's going to be the mother of Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer. And she says, well, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. So she understood the way things were supposed to go. And she's saying, hey, uh, what's supposed to happen for me to have a baby has not happened. Mm -hmm. And so how is this whole thing going to work out? And so 
Um, Gabriel says what's going to happen is you're going to be overshadowed by the power of God Himself, the Most High. You're, mm-hmm. He's, you know, the Spirit of God will come upon you and He will, by His power, place the Messiah inside of you. And you're going to carry Him just like any mother would carry a child all the way through to the time of birth. And when you do, He's going to be this King who's going to reign on the throne of His uh, you know, Father David, you know, for, you know, in, in the lineage of David forever, he's going to establish the throne of God in that sense. And so, um, you know, she walks away from that um, submissive and even somewhat seemingly joyful about let, let what you have said to me be fulfilled. I'm, I'm, if that's what's going to happen, then I am on board for this. I'm going to mm-hmm. be on board for this. And so, um, so we see in this, you know, in this time, we see this, this declaration of, of what's going to happen. We see the birth of Christ prophesied. We see all the things that Jesus was going to be prophesied. And we see them told to this young girl, Mary. I mean, we talked about on Sunday morning the fact that, uh, you know, here was Mary. And Mary was, I mean, our best guess, you know, most girls were betrothed probably around 12, 13, maybe 14 if they were on the later end of things. And so Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Um, She'd already been maybe betrothed a little bit at this point in time. And so maybe she's 13, 14 when this happens. She's 14 or 15 then when the baby is going to be born. I mean, all this stuff happening in her life. And, you know, she being again at this place where she's saying, all right, I'm I'm the Lord's servant. If this is what's going to happen, I'm on board. I love uh, as well in there, and I said kind of as a side, uh, but verse 37 of chapter 1 in Luke, this, mm-hmm. this, what the angel Gabriel says to Mary, for no word from God will ever fail. And he says that, you know, basically trying to reassure Mary, this is going to happen. What I'm telling you is, is really going to happen. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, and you, maybe you know already, maybe you don't know, and it, it's not really clear, but, you know, um, you know, your cousin Elizabeth or your relative Elizabeth, who's, you know, cousin, second cousin, whatever she happens to be, um, who's in her very, who's in her old age? She's also pregnant. Um, God was working as well to make that happen, and so kind of using that as a way to say what I'm telling you will really happen because God's already done something incredible here that nobody would have thought would happen. You know, this older couple is now, can, you know, is now going to have a child as well, and so um, you know, I think it's a really interesting snapshot um, of this angel who was kind of the messenger that uh, the Hebrew people would have been most familiar with probably that God would send, although even though he only appears in the Old Testament one other time, that's Daniel 8 and 9, or he appears in the Old Testament one time, he had appeared two, three, maybe four times, I don't really remember exactly the history on this, in some of the extra writings that were part of Jewish history and tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, for Gabriel to come and declare something, Gabriel came and, and shared very important news or news that would make a real impact. I mean, you know, so when he's talking with Daniel, he's declaring kind of, you know, the ending of a kingdom, the restoring of a kingdom, and then maybe actually kind of prophesying the end of all things in a sense in, in eight and nine. And so that's kind of what Gabriel did. It's also suspected that Gabriel probably was the one who came and talked with Joseph as well when he appears in a, when an angel appears in a dream and tells him, hey, listen, take Mary as your wife. This is of God, you know, that uh, he was the one that came and had that conversation then, you know, was, uh, was he the one that, you know, appeared to the Magi? I don't know. I mean, you know, so, 
certainly he was involved in this and would have been, um, again, a figure that would have been recognized as declaring really important news. And in fact, had just been also the one who had given the news to Zechariah and, and said basically to Zechariah, hey, listen, I'm Gabriel and I am, I'm in the presence of God all the time. So, you know, when I come to you with a message, it's legit. It's the real thing. So here I am. Um, and he uses in that, in that conversation, that's, uh, this is Luke 1.19, as he says to Zechariah. So this was kind of in the week earlier text. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. So that's, I mean, it's the same word that we get the word gospel from. It is euangelion. That, that is what Gabriel is coming to declare, mm-hmm. this good news about this one who will reign on the throne forever. He'll be the son of the Most High. He's come to save his people. I mean, all these things that the angel Gabriel is passing on to Mary. Just a, a really beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and in that, we see, again, the week's theme is declaration. Well, the birth of Jesus was worth declaring. And it was worth speaking out loud. It was worth sharing. You know, I, I talked about Sunday morning. Um, the the uh, Maybe in old movies or whatever, I don't know, movies that are representing medieval time or, you know, old times, you know, I always was intrigued by the, the figure of the town crier, you know, yeah. who would kind of stand in the middle of the town and maybe ring a bell really loudly. And that was how people got their news. And so this guy would stand out here with a large, you know, really loud voice and call, hear you, hear you, hear you, you know, and then here comes the news, you know. So that was, things were declared that way. Now, you know, certainly um, we still have ways of getting news, of getting good news, getting bad news, and there are declarations made. Um, But this was the way that God chose to bring this news was by sending his own messenger to this young girl, Mary, to make this declaration. Here's what's going to happen. This is what he says. I'm just going to read these words real quick. Beginning in verse 31, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So really, a fulfillment of all these prophecies... That, are, that have Old Testament roots and ties, some of them going back you know, a thousand years before the birth of Christ. Uh, in this short paragraph, Gabriel says, here are these prophecies that will be fulfilled. You know, Jesus, you know, God coming to save, uh, certainly the idea of uh, being the son of the Most High, so this is God's own son. He's going to reign on the, on the throne of his father David. So in the line of David, the prophecy given to David, this is going to come through your descendants. He's going to reign over Jacob's descendants, which is you know, Israel, but then Israel expanding to, obviously, the Gentiles as well, too. Um, the new Israel, in a sense, maybe even being the church. And then that his kingdom will endure forever. It'll never come to an end. Well, the everlasting kingdom, that goes back to the prophecies made to Daniel, uh, to and through Daniel. Uh, the dreams, even, that, that Daniel saw, the vision of, you know, the statue and other things like that. And so here is all, the, all this uh, very weighty prophecy and the angel declaring to Mary, all this right here is happening through what's going to happen in, through you, and then through this child that you give birth to. So that's, uh, I think that's really kind of the, the gist of what we looked at on Sunday, or at least the gist of the story mm-hmm. that we walked through this week, kind of as we continue to prepare our minds or try to wrap our minds around 
the significance of what we celebrate here this Christmas season. Okay, that's good. That's good. So in the message, one of the statements you said that kind of stood out was that he said, because of who he is and all he represents, the birth of Jesus is incredibly good news. Can you elaborate on that a bit? And uh, you even identified that, like, a lot of people tend to identify the death of Jesus, death, resurrection oh, yeah. of Jesus, as the good news, but we don't really typically think of the birth of Jesus as good news. Like, when people think of the gospel, yeah. of the good news, like, we often were focusing on the death, not the birth. So can you, can you elaborate on your statement yeah. a little bit? Yeah, so, so first let's deal with kind of the idea of the death of Jesus being good news. And I, I will, I mean, I think we acknowledge very readily that the death yeah. of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made on our behalf is part of the good news. So yeah. Jesus died so we didn't have to. Well, that's, you know, oftentimes we, we are quick to zone in on that or kind of to, to, to zoom in on that as the good news because when we recognize you know our problem really our problem that separates us from god is the fact that we are sinful you know it is our sin that separates us from god and so you know what you know the wages of sin is death says paul to the roman church um, so we know we've got a problem and we do have a sin problem and that's tough and so we really kind of will you know pigeonhole that as the gospel sometimes that jesus gave his life so that he could deal with our sin problem and certainly uh, certainly that is true, but, but maybe at the birth of Jesus, we see a much bigger and better picture of what the good news actually is because of all the things even that the angel Gabriel declares to Mary uh, that are good news. And then, you know, of course, to Zechariah, the same angel Gabriel actually says, I'm telling you this stuff and this is good news. Everything that I'm telling you right now is good news. And so, in fact, in the context of Zechariah, what happens just before we read verse 19, um, what the angel tells Zechariah is what's going to happen is John the Baptist is going to go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And all of that that's going to happen is going to prepare the way for the good news that's coming. So mm -hmm. I've been sent here to tell you this good news that is on the way. And so, uh, so then as we see what Gabriel declares to Mary, uh, which, which on Sunday morning I broke that down into to three parts, really. Um, and some of this is picking a little bit more broadly and not necessarily particularly what was said to Mary, but just what we know about Jesus, you know, that, that means good news for us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we think about it, um, we often think, again, the death of Christ took care of our sin, and that is good news because now we don't have to deal with the sin problem that we couldn't deal with. Yeah, and that is really good news. There's no doubt. But sin created the real problem, and, it's, and that can be seen in the fact that we're separated from God. So we would say our sin separates us from God because God can't be, in a sense, then in the presence of sin where we can't be in the presence of a holy God, mm -hmm. uh, if you flip that the other way around. And so there's this struggle of how can we be with God? If we were the people created for God to be with God, mm -hmm. how can we be with God if we have this problem that keeps us from being with God, if relationship has been severed, and does God even want to be with us? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's a problem that people have been wrestling with throughout maybe human history is, you know, if there is this rupture of relationship with God and God is holy and perfect, meaning he didn't rupture the relationship, but we ruptured that relationship. We 
we were the ones who sinned and destroyed. We broke the bond. It wasn't God. Then how is God going to respond to us as we try again maybe to be with God to some degree? Yeah. Knowing that that's much better than what we chase after ourselves. And so, you know, it's really interesting that in one of the names, the prophesied names about Jesus, the coming Messiah, one of his names is Emmanuel. I mean, we sing songs with the name mm-hmm. Emmanuel in them around Christmas time. And it's interesting. It's always interesting to me how many people, you know, well, we don't realize this about a lot of Hebrew names and names of earlier peoples on the face of this earth. That names typically really meant something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you didn't just name somebody something because you thought that name sounded interesting or isn't that cute or whatever yeah. it happens yeah. to be. That name meant something, and so Jesus means something. Emmanuel means something. Emmanuel is actually the name that I'm talking about right now. It actually means God with us. So Emmanuel, God with us. And so when Jesus is born, this is confirmation of the fact that God still wants to be with us, and that he'll go to incredibly great lengths to be with us. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, too. You know, we often pray, you know, when somebody's sick and in the hospital, we pray, God, won't you be with Betty as she's going through this surgery, won't you be with you know, Jim as he is going through this difficult time, whatever it happens to be. And that's what the one thing that because of Jesus coming to be born on, on this earth, we should never really have to pray, God be with this person. We see in Jesus that God is already with. God is here among us. Mm-hmm. So we should, you know, there's a, there's a guy, named, I'm reading a book by a guy named Alistair Begg that's with good. a group of guys right now. And the guy is Alistair Begg. He's a preacher, I think, from Scotland, okay. um, who preaches here, maybe, maybe somewhere in the Northeast uh, in the United States. And he wrote a book, a guy named Alistair Begg wrote a book called Pray Big. So I find myself pretty often saying, I'm reading a book called Pray Beg. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. And it's not Alistair Big, it's Alistair Begg with a book called Pray Big. But it's a really good book. And he makes that point in the book to say, you know, we should never have to be at a place where we're asking God to be with us. That's a good yeah, because that's God a really good is point. with yeah. us in Jesus and that should move us to pray more specific prayers instead of mm-hmm. God be with Betty mm-hmm. as she's having her surgery. God, would you would you help this surgery go the way we're all hoping it goes instead of be with somebody? Mm-hmm. Which is maybe what we're asking anyway, mm-hmm. but we should have this reassurance because of Jesus. And it's incredibly good news to know that God is with us. God yeah. wants to be yeah. with us, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus here. And so, you know, that's the first thing, you know, when we look at the birth of Jesus being incredibly good news. And Jesus came at his birth also to be a savior and a redeemer. He's come to save his people, mm-hmm. you know, and it is save his people from their sins. I mean, that there's no doubt about that, you know. He's here to take what's broken and redeem it and make it better. Or he's here to take these people who truly need to be rescued and to rescue them. I mean, that, that's what he came to do from square one. That's mm-hmm. part of the prophecy in about, about him. And yes, of course, that's seen in the fact that he was willing to go to the cross for us. And we could say, well, Jesus went to the cross for us to save us from our sins. Absolutely, that's true. To pay the price that we could never pay. These things are all true. These are not untrue statements. But we need to realize that it wasn't just in the moment of his going to the cross that Jesus was Savior Redeemer. He was Savior Redeemer from that first moment yeah. as yeah. well. So he came to be Savior mm-hmm. Redeemer. So mm-hmm. everything he did was an act of saving and redeeming his people. When he 
preaches you know, an, an early sermon in the Gospel of Matthew, at least, the Sermon on the Mount, the instructions, the teaching, the wisdom he's imparting is also to save and redeem his people. Because mm -hmm. we've got people doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We've got people doing divorce on demand. And Jesus says, wait a minute, Moses let you do that, but that is not what we're supposed to be doing. That's not the way you're called to live. And so even in that hard truth about you know, adultery and divorce and remarriage and you know, lying and telling the truth and other things that Jesus addresses, you know, anger even, anger being like murder, you know, Jesus is trying to redeem us, to save us here, this side of heaven in some sense, and then mm -hmm. the promise of saving us for eternity as well. And so all yeah. that comes together. He was, everything he did, was saving was was saving it was a saving and redeeming act in a sense mm -hmm. you know maybe not to the scale that certainly giving his life for us ultimately was but we shouldn't minimize that Jesus was savior and redeemer from square one and and still continues to be savior mm -hmm. and redeemer now you know so in the last area I talked about in the sense of good news um, man when Jesus was born especially that time period that he was born into you know, the time period of the Herods, and then, you know, even within the non-political or not as political or governmental structure of, of leadership at that time, you had uh, a number of different classes of Jews that certainly were powerful people, whether it be the Sadducees or the Pharisees or, um, you know, there, there were others as well too, the priestly uh, the priestly leaders that certainly oversaw Israel's government to some degree, but you then had, you know, a somewhat Jewish king who was in league with the Romans, and then you had the Roman governor that was there as well, and then you had, if you went all the way, um, you know, to, to Rome, you know, you could have the Caesars at that point in time, and so you had these different leaders at different places and phases, and and none of them really that great. In fact, you had some absolutely terrible leaders at that point in time. You think about Herod, what did Herod do when he heard there was a new king in town? I mean, we have the story of, of Herod going and saying, you know, look, everybody born in Bethlehem under the age of two, we're taking them out because I'm so afraid of what's gonna happen. You know, we have Herod probably, you know, at least history recording, I think that he killed a couple of his own kids because he, he was afraid that they were a threat to his throne. Yeah, I mean, just bad, bad leaders in that sense. But th there's always been a leadership problem when it comes to us as human beings, you know, when it, as it relates to us. I mean, we've got leadership problems in churches. We've got catastrophic moral failures in churches from time to time. We have, you know, our presidents being caught up in scandals and other things like that. And, you know, if it's one side, you know, if you... If you're on one side of the aisle, the other side of the aisle is always trying to accuse you of scandal and yeah. back and forth. Yeah. And, and some of it's probably true and some of it's probably made up. And we just, you know, who knows? Mm -hmm. We just mm -hmm. don't know. What we see is that we as human beings have been at the center of leadership crisis from square one. Mm -hmm. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of good kings. Even when we look at the good kings of Israel, they were only good to a certain point. I mean, yeah. David, who was a good king of Israel, had some serious problems himself. You know, I mean, he's, he's even called a man after God's own heart, but he also, you know, sleeps with a woman who's not his wife and then has her husband killed because he won't be a party in the cover-up. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. terrible, terrible things. Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, couldn't get things straight with, with women either. I mean, and had multiple, con you know, hundreds of concubines and wives. You know, I mean, I think, think almost a thousand between the two. Was it 300 wives and 600 concubines? Something in that ballpark, you know, and so... Man, I mean, we just have a messy history, human history, as it relates to leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
But here, Jesus at his birth is prophesied and already given basically the title of the king who will reign forever, who will establish a forever lasting kingdom and a good kingdom, a righteous kingdom. So he's going to be the ultimate righteous king. He's going to be the ultimate good king. I mean, all of these things that we would hope in a leader. You know, every four years in this country, we go through an election cycle. And if the guy that you didn't want to be in power is in power right now, and you've got the hope that somebody else may come and win the election, then you're thinking, man, I'm going to put all my faith and all my chips in this right here, and the R is going to beat the D, or the D is going to beat the R, or whatever it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And this guy's going to be the next good leader. I even think about, you know, and I mean, you know, we're not here to be political, really, but just to comment on history, you know, think about, um, you know, all of the... Um, all of the emotions that were attached. And I remember in 2008 watching it happen or you know, even running up to 2008 watching it happen, how much was put in, in this promised message of hope and change in the Obama campaign and how well that was done actually. I mean, fantastic job of packaging a campaign and figuring out how to kind of pluck the heartstrings of people in a sense mm-hmm. because what we want is hope and change and good leaders and man, that's what we want. So it, just to say this is the desire of the human heart in a sense to have a great leader we can follow once and for all, mm-hmm. to know that we can follow him. Well, isn't it wild that Jesus comes and says and when he's picking his first disciples, even though he wouldn't look like a king to anybody around at that point in time, he says to them, come follow me. Yeah. Yeah. Come follow me. And he's been issuing that invitation to people ever since, come follow me. And if there's any king we ought to follow, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if following any king could possibly be be good news, it is following that king. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, you know, at the moment of his birth, all those things were true about him already. Yeah. You know, or because of his birth, seen in his birth. So the birth of Jesus is incredibly good news. It is gospel, if there ever was gospel right there. Mm. That's awesome. Great. So how can we join in in declaring that good news about Jesus, even at his birth? Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm going to borrow from N.T. Wright. You know, first, I think it, it uh, you know, the, the type of life we lead certainly says a lot about what we think about Jesus, especially if we call ourselves Christians, you know, mm-hmm. if we call mm-hmm. ourselves disciples of Jesus. And certainly, you know, N.T. Wright makes the point in his book called Simply Good News, and we can link that. We'll link Alistair Begg's book, and we'll link N.T. Wright's okay. book since we're talking about both of those here. Um, he makes the point in this little book called Simply Good News that many of us treat the gospel, you know, all, all of what we see in Jesus, God with us, Savior, Redeemer, this leader king we need to guide us, the one that we needed, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, all of that. We treat a lot of the gospel as good advice and not necessarily good news. Hmm. You know, good advice is something you consider and you ponder. The truth about good news is it's something that has happened. It's not something that philosophically causes you to maybe make some adjustments to the way you live life. Good news is something that changes your life, Hmm. period. Yeah. Right? So it's not just a a change in a few things in life. It's, It's a complete transformation in life because when news is delivered, it's fact. It's, it's, I mean, it's history, it's reality. Now, I'm not saying that all things we see on the news are facts, so, you know, don't run there with that. But, you know, when, uh, you know, for example, when World War II was over and there was the, de- the declaration that the Allies had won, mm-hmm. 
that meant the fighting was over. Mm -hmm. It meant that nobody needed to keep on fighting. And there were those who didn't know or believe the news who kept on fighting for a time, you know, especially in some of the, you know, the, the Southeast Asian islands. Um, you know, there were those who had not yet heard that news. But once they heard the news, they knew the fight was over. Yeah. Right? So the fight was over. The fight didn't keep going. The fight was done because the news, the reality of what had happened changed everything. Well, the same thing is true as we see this news that God is with us, that we have a Savior and Redeemer, that we have a leader, that we have one who's going to give his life for us, mm -hmm. but who lived his mm -hmm. life for us, who was raised to life for us, who continues today to live for us, intercedes at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, this is worldview shaping stuff mm -hmm. that completely changes the kind of people that we get to be, that we're called to be. Okay, so I think, I mean, that's the first piece is we ought to evaluate ourselves and say, do I live my life as if the story of Jesus is good advice? Or do I live my life as if the story of Jesus is good news? Mm. Because if we just live our lives as if the yeah. story is good advice, then we can talk about it being good news yeah. all we want. Yeah. But what we're saying doesn't match how we're living. Yeah. And so we gotta, we gotta look at ourselves, and it doesn't mean you, can't, you, know, you shouldn't talk about Jesus if you don't have everything right. None of us have everything right. It means, what are we, is it, is it changed? Again, we talked about this um, a few months ago, you know, in, in the idea of setting the right target. Mm -hmm. Again, it's, it, I, I have the right target. I, the right target is there if I see Jesus as good news, if I see the gospel as really, truly good news. If I see it as good advice, then I get to make my own target. Mm -hmm. If I see it as good news, I'm accepting and I'm taking his target, mm -hmm. right? So. Mm -hmm. So it has to do with what target we're setting, you know, so are we compromising our target even in that sort of thing? So first, we live like it's good news. Second, we join the mission of, of declaring the good news. I mean, Jesus in Matthew 28, his last words, you know, so as Jesus is entering this life, it's good news. And is leaving this life, he says, now go share this good news. So all of what you've seen that is gospel, that I'm with you. I mean, he, he says it again to his disciples at the, in those very last words, Matthew 28. And remember, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mm -hmm. So Emmanuel, God with us, was saying, even as I leave you, I'm still with you. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm with you always. Uh, they had seen him come as Savior and Redeemer. He also says, all authority in heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to me in, <coughs> that, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Great Commission. And so right there, very much in that moment, Jesus is declaring all those things about himself that were planted at his birth. Emmanuel, God with us, Savior, Redeemer, leader to guide us, that the, one, the one that we need to follow. He's saying, okay, all this stuff is true still right now. So therefore, you go declare this with everything you've got to everyone you see. You know, so I think as we look at, um, at that, we realize we're supposed to be those kind of people, but you know, maybe again, the question is more specific. How can we join in declaring good news about Jesus even at his birth? Um, you know, one thing that I shared on Sunday morning, um, you know, to me, for me, the piece that's most moving in this now, all this is true. I know I need a savior and I need a redeemer, I know I need a leader, I know I need somebody to follow, I need to follow Jesus, but. For me, just the knowledge that God is with me yeah. gives me a personal testimony that I can turn around and share to anybody at any point in time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so certainly, you know, while this is a joyful season for many, this is also a season when many feel alone. 
Yeah. As if I'm in this alone and nobody's with me. Mm-hmm. So one of the best news, one of the best pieces of news that someone might be able to hear this time of year is you're not alone and you're never alone. You don't have to ever be alone because yeah. God wants to be with you. God wants to be in your life. God wants to be the key shaping figure in your life and the one that you can run to at all points in time. And you know, no matter what's going on, you can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. I mean, that's what Peter tells us. I mean, there's so many passages that tell us about the nature and character of God as it relates to the people he loves, right? And so here at Christmas, at the moment of Jesus' birth, what I know for a fact is that God is with us. And so I can share that and I can declare that with anybody that I come in contact with who may be struggling uh, through this season. You know, so maybe right now here at the time of his birth or at the time of the year that we celebrate his birth, as people are going through uh, some personal struggles, you know, there are some that like me, I, you know, I've shared before, I, I struggle this time of year with something called seasonal affective disorder. It's a type of depression. I, I will start to feel very alone and isolated. You know, we've talked about before the, the, the lies of the enemy that come for those who are struggling sometimes yeah. with mental health uh, struggles. And, you know, again, this is a, to, for me, it's a struggle that, you know, I'm very grateful. Last about four and a half, five months at the longest, and then I'm good again. Um, but I will start to believe the lies of the enemy that, you know, I'm, all, I'm pretty much all alone in this. Mm-hmm. And nobody mm-hmm. won't understand me. You know, so I'm looking around. And, well, nobody else is like me. Everybody else looks like they're doing great, right? Yeah. So nobody yeah. is like me. Therefore, nobody can understand me. Therefore, I better just keep this to myself. Yeah. But even when I feel that way, I found that just like David did in the Psalms, he could just pour it out on God, pour mm-hmm. all of it out on God and learn in that point in time, I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not alone. Yeah. And so, you know, that is something I've been able to turn and share that actually finds its roots in the knowledge of Emmanuel, God with us, which again is good news at the birth of Jesus right there in that very moment. And so those are just some examples. Um, and maybe, maybe somebody else would say, well, what's most meaningful to me is that Jesus came to be Savior Redeemer at the time of his birth. Jesus came to be the forever King at the time of his birth. And out of that, a story could develop, you know, maybe to say, you know what? I know I'm not a very good leader. Anytime I've tried to be the leader of my life, I have really blown things. Anytime I decide I'm in charge and I know best, I've blown things, but I found someone I can follow. And every time I follow him, it leads to good and right things. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's so many ways that we can take what was declared about Jesus at his birth and make that now a declaration through our own lives as we come in contact with others to share a piece of the good news of Jesus and especially why Jesus coming has been good news for us. Cause that's what people need to hear. Yeah. You know, if we yeah. share the story of Jesus and we share it in a way and it doesn't really sound like good news, yeah. we're not actually full, we're not being true to the, the story. Mm-hmm. You know, we share the gospel mm-hmm. and it kind of sounds like bad news. And it's like, well, I'm not sure if I really want that. Yeah. <laughs> but when we start to share about the fact that, man, my life has been flipped upside down in good ways, mm-hmm because of Jesus in my life. So the coming of Jesus on this earth, you know, even in that sense, I mean, my life has been completely transformed. And yeah, you know, some of the things that maybe other people find attractive, I don't find so attractive anymore, but man, it's better for me. Mm -hmm. It's good for me. This is what, you know, and then the knowledge that again, I mean, you know, the apostle Paul 
so often seem to rejoice in that. You know, for him to say, for me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain. And we should eagerly anticipate the return of Jesus and all this, you know, this knowledge that we have that life is not, this life is not all there is. Yeah. Yeah. And that even being evident um, in the fact that God sent his son. You know, so uh, there's so many ways that we can declare the good news, that we can join you know, the angel Gabriel in making a declaration in, in a sense of good news now 2,000 years later because of the birth of Jesus. Um, yeah, just, just so much that, that we can do. Yes, I mean, so in that answer, you've probably already touched on a part of our final question, but how, how can we practice this to be faithful to Jesus? Yeah, so, you know, I think about this time of year, and the reality is that... Um, uh, more people are thinking about maybe the birth of Jesus or Jesus period at this time of year than any other time except maybe Easter. Yeah. Or at least maybe more receptive to the idea of church or mm-hmm, uh, maybe mm-hmm. a Christmas Eve service. Or in our case, we do uh, like Christmas Eve Eve service. We yep. do it two days <laughs> before Christmas typically so that we allow people to have their uh, Christmas Eves with their families. Um, more people are receptive to conversations possibly than at other times as well. And so I would say use this time as an on-ramp, this time of year as an on-ramp to have a conversation that might be more difficult at other times to have um, because people happen to be more open. Mm -hmm. People happen Mm -hmm. to be thinking that way. I mean, we're singing songs everywhere we go, you know, about the birth of Jesus. And I know that there are you know, sometimes on the radio stations, um, you may only hear the jingle bells and you may only hear the, you know, rocking around the Christmas trees and those other songs like that that are really the more commercialized songs. Mm-hmm. But I'm amazed by how often I'm walking through a store and all of a sudden Silent Night is playing. Yeah. I'm like, all right, so everybody's hearing it. Now, I don't know how Silent the Night actually was, you know, if we're going to be <laughs> honest. So maybe the song's <laughs> not the most accurate representation of what was going on, but. Um, but, you know, we're singing round yon virgin, mother and child, mm-hmm. holy infant, so tender and mild. And who are we talking, singing about? It's, it's Jesus. Yeah. You know, so, um, or, you know, when, when Pentatonics did Mary, Did You Know? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. that was the only song everybody heard, at least for that first Christmas of that song being out. And, you know, I remember when the YouTube video was there for the first time and just, you know, big deal. And so many people are listening to it. And it's super cool, right? You know, so here it is. And. Uh, you know, again, you could argue, Mary, Mary, did you know? Well, yeah, Mary knew because, I mean, like we just read the story, Gabriel just told her all this stuff. <laughs> so, yes, Mary knew. So, uh, you know, sorry, uh, it wasn't Michael English who wrote that song. It was a comedian guy. I can't remember his name now. Lowry. Low- somebody Lowry. Anyway, uh, Mark Lowry. Um, so, sorry, Mark. Mary did know. Um, but it's still getting people in that frame of mind where they're thinking and contemplating something. And, and maybe they're wondering, could this story be true? And could it be true that when Mary kissed her little baby that she kissed the face of God? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a huge declaration. Yeah. Yeah. So again, all of this conversation already happening on some level, even if people are moving in a way that they're kind of not really paying all that much attention to it, could the conversation that you have joining in that declaration could it be the thing that opens them up and it's makes really, them wonder, could this really be real on a deeper level? Because you're living it in your life in a way that says it is real. So all that coming together. 
Yeah, no, I love that. I think you made the point in your message that we don't really tend to think of the Christmas season as a evangelistic opportunity, but it is. It It is. is. Because it is so um, broadly celebrated culturally. I mean, probably in that sense, although it's probably the true Christian story is very much misrepresented in the pop culture version, but it is still talked about and celebrated in pop culture probably more than any other time of the year. I mean, even in Easter, it's not, it's certainly in the Christian community, it's focused on Jesus, but there's secular versions, maybe really not that, um, so I think that's a really great point to see this as an evangelistic opportunity. Yeah, I think think in this moment, this time in Easter, more people are thinking about again, the things that we talk about every week than at any other point in time of the year. There, mm-hmm. there can be no doubt about that. And then this leads into New Year where more new people or more people who've been disconnected from a church experience start to come and be connected to a church experience for a time than at any other point of the year because of yeah. you know New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Well, what if you helped somebody make a resolution in a sense or set the stage for a resolution about life change that stuck and it was the kind of life change, the only kind that can be true, real, and meaningful through Jesus at work in them because you chose to step out of the box, step out of your comfort zone, and be part of declaring the good news of Jesus even at his birth in that sense. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that encouragement and uh, just this message with us about the declaration of the good news. Mm. Um, So thank you all for joining us again today. And uh, once again, we want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Uh, Hopefully, we will encourage you to take this message to heart, to go out, to declare this good news, to use this as an opportunity Mm -hmm. to uh, share the gospel with someone. Hopefully, you can have an opportunity to do that sometime this week and whatever that looks like. Uh, Give us some feedback. Let us know if that's working for you. Share Mm -hmm. us any stories that you might have, and we always love to hear from y'all. Absolutely. Until next time, next week will be our season finale. That's right. Season two, we'll have a couple-week break, and then uh, we'll be back with y'all in January with a brand new series. But until uh, next week, we look forward to uh, hearing from y'all again.